Well, as we come to look at this passage together this morning, why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you that you're a speaking God. We thank you that you long to speak into our lives. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to learn all that you want to teach us this morning. And we pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, there is a very cute advert currently uh, running on television for Haven Holiday Park. So I wonder if you've seen that little boy is driving a chariot and a huge team of horses across a white sandy beach, or at least that is what he's doing in his imagination. In his mind, he's back in Roman Britain having the time of his life. And I wonder whether you ever have dreamt of going back to a moment in history. It's something I have never grown out of. A few years ago, I had the chance to visit the Forbidden City in Beijing, China. And as I walked around, I was desperate to be back in that city at its bustling best. But my all-time dream moment to have been back in time in would have been to be gathered with this first Christian community that we meet in the Book of Acts. Bold and expectant, these first Christians have been eyewitnesses to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they embark on a radical, countercultural journey as this first Christian community. And their story is a great encouragement to us gathered this morning, albeit virtually, as another Christian community 2,000 years on. And as we look together at these verses, it's worth a recap on the story so far. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has ascended to heaven for the final time, leaving his followers, uh, these first Christians, to live out his teaching. And in chapter two, as we looked at last week, the Holy Spirit, which Jesus had promised, visits those first Christians in an amazing way. And in chapter three, the mission of this first Christian community is underway through the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, we read that miracles are being performed. A man who'd been crippled since birth, a man who has never walked, walks. The apostles are ordinary men doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the mighty name of Jesus. How exciting it would have been to witness that. And huge crowds gather and the apostles start to tell them about the good news of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And as the crowd listen to these eyewitness accounts, we're told that the followers of Jesus grows dramatically. In chapter 4 verse 4, we're told that the number of followers grows to over 5,000. And news of the growth of the followers of Jesus, these first Christian community, reaches the Jewish authorities, the Sadducees. Now, they did not believe in a personal Messiah or the resurrection. And they're starting to get concerned. And so they pull Peter and John in for questioning. But how can this Jew, these Jewish authorities argue with the facts? Here was the proof. The lame man who would have been known to anyone who visited the temple had been healed. It was plain for everyone to see. And he'd been healed in the mighty name of the resurrected Jesus. And so we reach our, our reading this morning. As we start reading in chapter four, chapter four and verse 23, we see that Peter and John have been released from questioning 
and now they're back surrounded by our early Christian community and we can picture the scene everyone crowded in desperate and eager to hear of Peter and John's account of the grilling by the Jewish officials and what an emotional roller coaster this group of Christians have been on eyewitnesses to the death and the resurrection of Jesus but now almost immediately an early indication, early rumblings of the persecution they would face from seemingly all powerful forces. And in verse 24, in the face of adversity, their first reaction is to pray. And through their prayer, they remind themselves the essential truths of what they believe. Remember, everything this group is doing is the opposite to the culture of the time. It's in opposition to the status quo. There are no cathedrals, no Archbishop of Canterbury, no Her Majesty the Queen. And so it's amazing to clock the confidence of their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're not trying to work out what's going on or decipher what God is up to. They simply pray. And with the big picture of God's sovereignty in place, they remind themselves of what that reality means for the seemingly all-powerful rulers and authorities. For these first Christians who witnessed so much firsthand, they're in no doubt of the balance of power. The confidence of their prayers is striking. It feels, doesn't it, that the teachings of Jesus are really clicking into place. Jesus had explained that the events leading up to his death and resurrection had to happen for God's big rescue mission to be completed. And they continue to pray in verse 27. Indeed, uh, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Herod and Pontius Pilate would have represented what total power looked like 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Men who simply had to click their fingers to make their slightest whim happen. But through this prayer, the apostles are stating with confidence that even these seemingly all-powerful forces are subject to a sovereign God and his salvation plan. And so in verse 29, they petition, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. No prayers of retaliation or revenge, but a clear focus on their mission to share the good news of the risen Jesus but they know they're going to need his Holy Spirit. Already, and only a few days on in their mission, the apostles had witnessed the power of signs and wonders done in the name of Jesus to demonstrate the truth of their message. Signs that would point to Jesus, to his power, to his sovereignty. From the very first miracle at that famous wedding in Cana, where the wine almost ran out, Jesus used miracles to point to who he is. The miracles point us in the direction of Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus knew that his disciples would need the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out uh, his mission and to be witnesses to the entire world. And he promised his followers that he would leave his Holy Spirit 
We see that immediately before his ascension in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so with great confidence they pray for the Holy Spirit. And in verse 31 we read, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This example of this first Christian community is a great example to us 2,000 years on. And as I close, I want to think of three encouragements from that Christian community to us. In times of challenge, when we feel powerless against the powerful or weak in the face of adversity, in our prayers we proclaim that we take total confidence in the supreme sovereignty of God. We remind ourselves of the true eternal balance of power. Secondly, in Christi as Christians in 2020, we're living out the same mission as, those first as this first Christian community, pointing those we engage with in our community and across the globe to Jesus. The Apostles' Prayer 2,000 years ago must be our prayer today, not to keep Jesus to ourselves, but to share Jesus with boldness. And thirdly, we are not without help in that mission. As Christians today in 2020, we have that same awesome power of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts that we can nurture as a community. And they'll be different for all of us. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, knowledge, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Imagine the excitement of that first group of Christians knowing that the promised Holy Spirit was with them as they took on their mission of sharing Jesus with all they encountered. That excitement is certainly designed for us to have. Wow. So as we head into the week, some things that me, we might want to keep bubbling in the background. When we face adversity, do we take a moment to centre ourselves in the knowledge of the true balance of power? Are we engaged in the mission of every Christian to share Jesus with those that God has placed in our path? And are we excited and expectant about the promise of the Holy Spirit? Are we praying for the spiritual gifts that we can contribute to our Christian community?